Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. Merry Christmas. I want to welcome you to this Christmas Eve service, and thank you for taking the time just to gather together around the scriptures and enjoy the, the presence of God as we prepare uh, to just reflect on the birth of Jesus. Maybe you're at home watching this uh, as you prepare just for this uh, Christmas Eve time, or you're going to have family or friends over, or maybe just a quiet evening of reflection uh, alone with the Lord. Whatever your setting, I just want to invite you to just pause in this moment and enjoy uh, resting in the presence of God and reflecting on the birth of a Savior, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Over the past four weeks, we've been going through the different words connected to the Advent season uh, and then looking more deeply into what those words mean and how Jesus fulfills those in our lives. Uh, for those longing for something different than what they're experiencing now, we, in week one, we looked at Jesus being our hope for the one who's only found peace through escaping life, we revealed how this idea that Jesus truly is our peace, that it's not just an escape from reality, but Jesus is the one who brings peace right where we're at, regardless of our situation. And he enables us to be peacemakers. In contrast to just brief moments of joy where we try to capture them and freeze them in time. Jesus is our joy and he gives us a lasting joy that is not, again, based on circumstances. It's not based on what we're going through in the moment, but it is a lasting joy that's found in him, even a joy found in suffering and being identified with him. We can experience that. And then just this last Sunday, we talked about Jesus, our love. And this whole idea that God is love, he really defines the word. There, there isn't a way to talk about love in terms of Christianity and the discipling life in Christ without looking at Jesus himself and seeing what love looks like. John 3.16, a scripture that's so well known, says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This idea that God so loves us that he gives. And this is God's love. This is what it looks like for us. He loves us first. He introduces himself as a loving God and wants us to know him in that light. Well, on this Christmas Eve time together, we take a moment and we light the center candle. This candle, which stands out from the other four and this is known as the Christ candle. This is the candle that focuses on Jesus, the Christ. And that word, the Christ, means really plainly, it just means the anointed one. And so Jesus is the anointed one. He's the one anointed by God. We're going to take a little more time after uh, a moment here and, and look a little 
more deeply at this idea of anointed and Christ being the anointed one. Uh, but first, I want to open us in prayer. We're going to watch a Bible Project video that focuses on Luke's account of the birth of Jesus and helps point us in the direction of understanding how Jesus came not to fulfill uh, the purposes that we had for him, but he came as one anointed to fulfill the purposes of God. So let's pray, and then we'll watch a brief video together. Holy Spirit, we welcome you as we celebrate Jesus the Christ, the anointed one of God who has come to us. What a special evening this is as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. We know he came not for our purposes, but to fulfill your eternal plan, to fulfill the plan that you set in motion after sin and brokenness had come into the world. And so we celebrate this evening Jesus, our Savior, and we celebrate his anointing, his purpose, and Lord, we look to you. And so as we come to open the scriptures, as we come to just be alive in your spirit, we just pray that you would, uh, Lord, help us to understand, help us to put into practice those things that we see in the scriptures tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's watch this brief video on the birth of Jesus. The Gospel of Luke. Luke investigated many of the earliest eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus and then composed this account. And the story begins up in the hills of Jerusalem, the place where Israel's ancient prophets said that God himself would come one day to establish his kingdom over all the earth. In the city is the temple run by the priests. And one of them, named Zechariah, was working in the temple when he had a vision that freaks him out. An angel appears and says that he and his wife will have a son. What's this all about? Well, Zechariah and his wife, we're told, are very old. They've never been able to have children. And Luke's setting up a parallel here with Abraham and Sarah, the great ancestors of Israel, because they too were very old and could never have kids. Yet God gave them a son, Isaac, which is how the whole story of Israel began. And so Luke's implying here that God's about to do something that significant for this people once again. The angel tells Zechariah to name the son John. And then he says that this son's going to fulfill a promise of Israel's ancient prophets, that somebody would come one day to prepare Israel to meet their God when he arrived to rule in Jerusalem. Because right now, Jerusalem is ruled by the Romans. Yeah, specifically, it's governed by a man named Herod, who's a puppet king under the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people wanted nothing more than to be free and govern themselves in their own land. So this is shocking news. Everything's going to change. God's on his way. But how is he going to arrive? Well, to find out, Luke takes us out of Jerusalem and then up into a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee. And there we find a young woman named Mariam, or we call her Mary. She was engaged to be married. And then an angel appears to Mary saying that she's going to have a son. She's supposed to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew means the Lord saves. And he will be a king like David who will rule over God's people forever. And then Mary asks, okay, well, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And she's told that the same Holy Spirit that brought life and light out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is going to generate life inside her womb. 
God is about to bind himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of the Messiah. And so Mary goes from some backwoods no-name girl to the future mother of the king? Exactly. In fact, she sings a song about how this reversal of her own social status points to a greater upheaval to come. Through her son, God's going to bring down rulers from their thrones and exalt the poor and the humble. He's going to turn the whole world order upside down. So when Mary was really pregnant, she and her fiancé, Joseph, had to go down to Bethlehem. Yeah, there was a decree across the Roman Empire about new taxes, and so everybody had to go get registered in the town of their family line. There are so many visitors in Bethlehem, they can't find a guest room. And so the only place they can find is a spot where animals sleep. Now nearby were some shepherds with their flocks, and an angel appears, which, of course, freaks them out. But they're told to celebrate because tonight in Bethlehem, a savior has been born. Yeah, they're told to go and find this baby, and they'll know that it's the Messiah because he's going to be wrapped up and laying in a grimy feeding trough. Yeah, which is pretty gross. Totally. And then these shepherds, who aren't very clean themselves, they go and find the newborn Jesus in this really dingy place, and their minds are blown. They go home wondering what on earth is about to happen. And this is all really strange. I mean, if God's really coming to save the world, this isn't how you would expect him to arrive. Born in an animal shelter to a teenage girl, celebrated by no-name shepherds. Exactly. I mean, everything is backwards in Luke's story, and that's the point. He is showing how God's kingdom was first revealed in these dirty places among the poor, because Jesus is here to bring salvation by turning our world order upside down. As the video expressed, Jesus truly did come and turn the world upside down, and he continues to do that today. Expectations that people have of him, ways that they think life should work or how God should move in their life. Uh, Jesus came and really presented himself not as the ruler who was going to oppress people and overtake lives, but he came as the humble servant. And so he still does today. He comes as a savior and king, but not as the one that we expect. He comes as the anointed one, the Christ. That video talked uh, about Jesus's birth, but a little bit later on in Luke's account of Jesus's life, Luke chapter 4 we get to a, see a picture of Jesus who comes into the synagogue and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he selects a portion of that passage in Isaiah that talks about his anointing or his purpose. And so I want us to take a moment and read from Luke chapter 4 verses 16 through 21. It says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now in this reading from Isaiah, Jesus includes this idea of anointing. As he's reading, we can see where this word comes up. The Lord, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then he goes on to talk about those things for which he has been anointed to do. Now, this idea might be missed on us, but do you know that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've also been anointed. Jesus highlights the things that God has called him to do. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because I'm God's anointed, the Christ, to accomplish these things. But that's not just unique to Jesus. It's unique in what he was called to do, deliver all of humanity for their sins. We certainly have not and will not be able to do that. That's his work. But you and I have also been anointed for God's purposes. And on this Christmas Eve, I just want to highlight three things, three ways in which the anointing of Jesus as the Christ Fills, spills over into your life if you choose to follow him, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. So the first idea behind anointing is that we are set apart, that Jesus was set apart. He's reading this and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me or set me apart to do these things. And then he lists to set the captive free, to uh, you know, bring sight to the blind and et cetera, just bringing life to those who have been marginalized for so long to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus is saying, listen, I've been set apart for this very purpose. The spirit of the Lord is on me to do, to do this. But the same thing is true about every follower of Jesus that when Jesus comes into your life, you are set apart for the purpose for which he has in your life. Oftentimes we just think, is my job, is that it? Is that all I'm for? Is just to work a 40 hour week or to help my family get through one day after the next. And, and while our work has, can have purpose and our families certainly have purpose and meaning to move them forward. This, that may only be just part of the picture. The bigger picture is what is it that the spirit of the Lord is on you for accomplishing? You know, it's not as though when we come to Christ that we just keep living whatever life we had before. The example given to us in scriptures, every person who encountered Jesus, they were set apart. They were anointed. They were changed by that encounter. And so too, on this Christmas Eve, let me ask you, as you've encountered Christ, the anointed one, have you experienced that change in your life? Have you recognized that you are anointed for his purposes and what he wants to accomplish in you and through you? You are set apart through Jesus, our Christ. The other thing that Jesus highlighted is that not only was the anointing there the, to be a calling to do it, but the spirit of the Lord was on him to accomplish it. In other words, he was empowered to do those things. And Jesus walked with such power. 
this one who was a baby grown to a man to accomplish that for which he was called had great power and worked and, and moved in great power among those whom he ministered to. And likewise, on this Christmas Eve, you're called, you're set apart, and you're empowered. It's often been said that you know, God will empower you for whatever it is that he asks you to do. A friend of mine once said it this way, God pays for what he orders. He pays for what he orders. He doesn't just ask for something or require something and then say, and you can just figure it out how it's going to happen. Not at all. Not at all. When God says, I've called you to this task, he also says right along with that, and I'm going to empower you for it. I'm going to enable you to accomplish it. So that enabling might be a gift. Maybe he's called you to bring joy into people's lives and encouragement. And so he's given you a gift for art. He's given you a gift for beauty and creating things that bring joy to people's lives. So he's empowered you with that gifting. And so now it's your part to step into that gifting and to nurture it and to help, help it be directed in a way that brings joy to people's lives. Maybe, maybe he's enabled you to have a mind that thinks and he's enabled you, called you to be a teacher. Well, then if he's called you to be a teacher and, and to bring understanding to people, then he's also going to empower you to accomplish that. He's going to give you a joy for the study and he's going to give you a joy for bringing people along and the patience that it takes to teach others. Well, I think, I think you get the idea that if he calls you, he empowers you for it. So the question is, do you sense God's calling that he's anointed you for a purpose. Do you understand that if he's anointed you for it, he's also empowering you for it. And, and it's your response just to say, Lord, I have this gift and now I want to use it for what you've called me to, to bring joy, to bring understanding, uh, to, to gift people and to help people in their times of need. Finally, the last thing I want to highlight on this Christmas Eve message is that along with the anointing, that is a calling, the anointing that is a empowering, that anointing also brings a protection. When something was anointed by God, it was a covering over that individual. In fact, there were sharp declarations, very clear directives that you should never harm the Lord's anointed. David said that in the Old Testament over and over when he was being attacked by King Saul, there were those who would say, you know, you, you have him within reach. You could kill him. You could strike him down. And David said, oh, no, I would never harm the Lord's anointed. That's not my place. That's not my role. There's a protection. There's a covering over God's anointed. And only God has the right to know the number of days in one's life. And so it is true with you and I, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a covering over your life. Do you know that not one day of your life will ever be taken away from you in Christ? That not somehow there's going to be something happening and your life is cut short because of, of some type of accident or, or something that God was caught unaware of? Now, if you follow God and you're under his covering, he has every day of your life counted, numbered, measured out. 
and you will live to the fullness of your days in him. For some, that may be shorter than what we had anticipate. Others, it may be a very long number of years. But here's, here's the confidence we have in the anointing of the Lord over our lives, is that he's the one who calls us, he's the one who empowers us, and he's the one who protects us. He's the one who allows us to live it out. And we will live out the full number of days that he's called us to so that we can accomplish that purpose for which he's called us. That we can bring the beauty that he's called us to bring to the world around us. He'll empower us to see signs and wonders around us as we pray for people. He will enrich our lives with material wealth so we can be a blessing to others and that calling and live that out. He'll empower us and he'll protect us. So let me finish with this main idea that I want you to walk away with as you go into this Christmas Eve, celebrating the birth of the Christ, the anointed one, Jesus Christ. When Jesus is your savior, you join with him in living a life that is anointed by God and it's for God's purposes. This anointing that Jesus had as the Christ unique to him in terms of what he needed to accomplish. But that anointing overflows into the life of his followers, that all of a sudden your life now has a clearer purpose. Your life has a gifting and you understand what those giftings are for, whether that's serving or teaching, whether that's prophetic, whether that's shepherding and caregiving, whether that's a, a life of service and you take such joy in serving, Wherever you fit in that spectrum, there's a greater understanding of your anointing. And in that clarification of your anointing, what you're called to comes in that anointing and empowering. And then finally, there's a protection or a covering over your life. So as you, again, celebrate this Christmas Eve, the anointed one, Jesus the Christ, may you also just find a great comfort in the anointing he's placed on your life. We often at Christmas Eve will light candles and we'll have a candlelight service and sing a song as we finish out. And I was reflecting on that idea of holding, holding that light and there's a well-known children's song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. And I thought how appropriate as we think about an anointing as being a light. It's a light that God lights in our heart, a passion for what he calls us to, an empowering to do it, and a covering over us. And let me put before you, are you letting that light shine? Are you letting not just the blessing of the life in Christ, but are you letting the light shine of his anointing on your life and letting that spill out to your family, to your friends, to the community around you? He is the anointed one, the Christ in whom we celebrate. And as a follower of Jesus, you have the opportunity to live in a similar anointing as he leads you and empowers you in it. Let me pray. And may you have a very blessed Christmas. Lord, we thank you that you are the anointed. And we thank you for living that out so vividly before us that we can see how you were called and we can see how the Spirit was upon you to accomplish that. 
And we can see that even though your life was shorter than what so many thought it would be, you lived the full number of your days and you accomplished what the Father had sent you to accomplish. And so, Lord, like you, may the gift that we experience this Christmas be a deeper understanding of our own anointing in you, that calling, that empowering, and that protection, that fullness of life that we live as we live in the fullness of the anointing that you've given to us. May you receive all praise, Jesus our Lord. May you receive all glory from your people as we celebrate this Christmas that you are the Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.